Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Friday morning. Key was talking about the Dodgers offense going bonkers. I think Key's going bonkers this morning because the overwhelming favorite from Caesars, William Hill, another team that was just the best team in baseball, again in the regular season. Again, Key is on the verge of not making the World Series. Just lay down a bunt for me. One time. Just bunt. I'm I'm happy if you just bunt. Just get somebody on on base, man. Los Angeles already has a championship. Y'all good? (laughs) Y'all okay? Y'all got the Lakers? Y'all got one? So, in other words, we greedy. (laughs) No, you greedy. (laughs) No, because Laker fans tend to turn to Dodger fans when the season's over with, right? I mean, right? Well, think about this. Or better yet, Dodger fans turn to Laker fans because the season is originally in the spring to the summer and then basketball starts. Right. The one difference if you're a Dodger fan and a Laker fan, and I imagine many of those people are the same person, yes. you had to wait a whole, Jay, they had to wait a whole 10 years for the Lakers to get another The famine through the desert. But if you're a Dodger fan, it's been since 1988 and numerous opportunities to get there. I mean, just the latter part of the last decade, 2015 to 2020, 2015 to 2019, they've been as prolific as probably Houston or anybody else just getting on the doorstep. Houston was able to get over the doorstep, over the hump, get in. We'll talk about the Astros in a second. But the Dodgers are now teetering, and the World Series conversation is on the Braves, who are looking to get there for the first time since 1999. They can do it tonight on ESPN Radio. Well, we don't need them to do it tonight on ESPN Radio. <laughs> I'd right? look at Game 7, too, right? I mean, that's where the money is. We need a Game 7. We do need a Game 7. Zoom is like, they could do, they could do it they, tonight. They could do it tonight on ESPN Radio. We don't need them to do it tonight on ESPN Radio, right? I mean, look, it... It was one of those deals, man, where you thought I felt good about the way Kershaw was pitching. I thought that the run support just wasn't there for him. If we could have got a couple runs and maybe a 3-1, 4-1, you feel a whole lot better. But anytime that thing is tight like that, it's 1-1, 1-0, you always feel like something's getting ready to turn for the worse, and it did. I just don't know how you go cold so quick. Went to a you know zero to hundred real quick and then back to zero real quick again too. It was like the way they were hitting all of a sudden for the last eleven innings they were knocking the ball out left and right. You felt like the the Dod- the Braves are actually chasing the Dodgers even though the Braves are up two to one. And all of a sudden just like that, boom! All of a sudden the Braves scored ten runs and you're like, whoa! What happened to all the hits? Well, the Braves put a rookie on the mound that we haven't seen before either. Twenty two I mean, years old. Twenty two years Wilson. old. He didn't it, even know he was starting till Wednesday. You, you you put Bryce Wilson on the mound. It's like. He's coming with his stuff. He pitched 18 pitches in the know, first two innings. He's got some stuff that we probably haven't seen before. We didn't know what he was coming with. Usually you know. Like you you know who's pitching, what junk they have, if they're throwing a slider or if they're throwing a fastball or, or anything. When is the curve coming? You didn't. It looked like they didn't understand who he was as a pitcher, and it got away from him, and it was too late. If you're just joining us, welcome back to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. This is Key's favorite part. We're coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Let's talk about the Astros here. South Street. You've got to remember that in there. We're too. in South Street, yes. <laughs> Stop by, see us in person. Actually, don't. Here's <laughs> not putting any burden on the security. All right, here we go. Jay, bottom line. A lot of people said, look, the Astros making the World Series, if they make it, do you believe in karma? If it's karma, they're going to be eliminated by the Rays. They won't make it. And the fans who haven't been at the ballpark this season, they'll get a chance to boo in 2021. I'm a big believer in karma, but I'm also a big believer that it would be incredible for the Major League Baseball playoffs that are angling their way, trying to elbow their way to get any attention in this crowded sports landscape. The best way for people to tune into the World Series next Tuesday is if 
keys words, the cheaters were in it. That would be the ultimate black hat, white hat situation, no matter who the opposition was. Key didn't have a garbage can, so he was tapping on his microphone there. You're saying that essentially what Major League Baseball did let him off the hook, and now they might pay the price. This is what baseball deserves. Rob Manfred, you wanted to do this? You wanted to grant them immunity? So fine. Now they're going to be back in the World Series. I mean, granted, they're down 3-2, to two, but, Tampa Bay. The Rays can still win this whole thing. Right. But watching Correa and everybody last night, I mean, it looks like they're trending in that direction if they can get there. But if you don't take precautions and provide penalties by saying, hey, for a year, a couple years, you are banned, you've opened the door to allowing a team – who then went, had a pandemic. It very much fits the theme of 2020, doesn't it, Zubin? You have a pandemic. There are no fans in the stands. All of a sudden, there's not that extra momentum to use against them. They're finding their rhythm. And now, all of a sudden, they have a chance to be back in the World Series. And key, I would say, from Jay's point, immunity, essentially, everybody that talked on the Astros, they essentially said, just spill your guts, empty your notebook, empty the bucket. There will be zero punishment if you tell us everything that happened. That's the immunity he was speaking of. Yeah, but even, even with that, in effect, they should the the penalty should have been way harsher, right? They should have suspended them for the next couple years in the playoff. Man, they stole they stole the World Series from your care. Dodgers, from it, from everybody. Yeah, it's just not my Dodgers. They had to go through other teams to get there. Didn't the they go through the Yankees? Yeah, in the ALCS. Okay. Oh yeah, so, oh, I feel so the same way. That cost even, Joe Girardi his job, probably. That's what I'm saying. So even though, and it was so funny as we were talking about this, I was pulling up my picture, Z. That's my picture from Game 7. Oh, this is with Key's wife here? At the Dodgers. Game 7, Jay. That's Mm. Game 7. And I wasn't happy because I knew, well, I didn't know at the time, but once I learned that something fishy was going on, that's the only way they dominated us that way. We know, man, please, they cheated. They they cheated. Now, Dusty Baker, get them there, and they win. I'm happy for Dusty. I'll be happy for Dusty because he had nothing to do with the cheating. Right. And nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. Is it weird that he's got to condone it? Every time he's got to defend Correa, he's got to do it because he's the dude. He's the manager. Well, I don't necessarily. Is he is he defending him? Well, he said, we got to put this all behind us, folks. We just got to move on. We're ready to play baseball. I mean, and you just said that, you know, hey, they should have had a two-year punishment. Well, yeah, they should have had the punishment of, of, of cheating. There's no question about it. But now that you removed a couple years from it, there's nothing going on, and you're seeing Carrera walk off home run had nothing to do with the trash kids. But there's still raw feelings. About I, it. I exactly. get the raw feelings about it, but at that point, you're looking at it, you're like, all right. But that doesn't make it right, right? In, in a world that we live in, as you know, Jay, we always say to ourselves, why did that billionaire go to jail? Mm-hmm. Because even though he got a billion dollars, he's still trying to do things to get ahead. As far as we know, the Astros didn't even need to use the trash cans and all the cheating methods to get to the, to the World Series and win it. Had the talent. But, but they probably had the talent based on what we've seen now. But they did it. And by them doing it, we're in this position of talking about it. See, Cam, with you, I want to see Dusty do well. I feel for him. But I don't feel bad for him, Zubin. No, you know no, no, I, 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 I feel bad for you. You do, but you know what you're signing up for. Yeah, but I... I if you I, take on true. that responsibility, you no. know going into that... This is what this is the this is the these are the cards I was dealt. This is what this season's going to be. I have to mentally prepare for this, and I think he has mentally prepared for it. He's very strong for doing it. But I, I would like to see if if the Dodgers are not in it and he wins it, I'm happy for him as a manager because when he was with the San Francisco, I'm about to call them the 49ers, the San Francisco <laughs> Giants, they lost to the Los Angeles Angels, 
And he was right there. He was, what, what game was it, seven? Yeah, remember Dusty's son, yeah. Darren? You remember that yeah. at home plate? You have to be old enough to remember that and, little and so, reference. Yeah. I want to see him do it because he deserves it. He got a raw deal as far as I'm concerned with the Nats when they ran him out of there. And so even the Cubs, even the Cubs for that, for that matter, the Reds. I mean, he's been around. <laughs> he's been around. So, you know, I, I, I want to see him do it. I just think it, it you know, Zubin, you brought up the storyline, how the storyline can get viewers to watch because either you love them or you hate them. Right. Uh, a lot more people, I assume hate the Astros because they're cheating more Agreed. so than national fans that love them. But, like, once again, like, this is baseball's fault, and this is some of the issues, right? Like, I want to root for baseball, but I have to be frank with you. When I see the Astros in this position, I'm like, oh, so we just reward cheating. It's acceptable. You can cheat, you can do all this other stuff, and you can still be in the World Series the next year. Two years. Two or years. Just two or three. Yeah, two. Remember, they were in it last year, yeah. lost to oh, the yeah, Nats. Last year, last that's year. what I'm yeah. saying. And then, then 2017 is the one Key's still upset about, and a lot of people are still – Upset about. They could cheat last year, though. No, the Red Sox and the Yankees are using <laughs> Apple Watch. They were cheating last year. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Penzoil performance line, including Mark Teixeira, the World Series winner. We'll get into his thoughts on whether it's good or bad that the Astros potentially could make the World Series. Interested to hear his points. Also, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin brought to you by Sport Clips. Remember being at Sport Clips, waiting for that great MVP haircut experience. How about making that wait time even shorter now with on-deck text alerts? Get a 15-minute heads up when it's time to head in. Another text alert when you're next in line. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Still to come, four downs. The guy's biggest thoughts on the four. Scratch that. Five, we always go extra. Big games of the week in the NFL, and there is no lack of games to choose from. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It's time for Four Downs. The four big NFL stories will get Key and Jay's thoughts. Let's go. Four Downs. And Four Downs is brought to you by Geico. Geico is now offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. Visit geico.com for more. First Down. Browns at Steelers. Game of the week. Game of the week. It's certainly the game of the week, and I'm taking the Cleveland Browns in this football game. A 4-1 team going up against a 4-0 team that they've lost 16 straight to at Heinz Field. But that changed. Their fortunes changed now with Kevin Stefanski at the helm running the show, Baker Mayfield. We don't know about OBJ's status in this football game, but they have enough firepower on offense to get it done. Defensively, Miles Garrett returning back to the scene of the crime. I think he'll have a big game. I am going with the Steelers. The streak continues. As you see, the FPI, Steelers with a 57% chance to win this game. Look, the Browns have the NFL's top-ranked running attack. They get 188.4 yards per game. 
But still, I, I think this Steelers defense, their rush defense, number two in the whole NFL, I think it's going to be enough. It's going to stop Kareem Hunt. I don't think it's going to be the same Browns team on the road. Second down, Ravens at Eagles. Philadelphia in this football game doesn't have a chance. I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> if you think about it, these two quarterbacks have taken the most punishment with quarterbacks this season in Lamar Jackson as well as Carson Wentz. But Lamar Jackson has to get the passing game going. Why not against the Philadelphia Eagles? This is the certainly the medicine that can cure that for Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens. Did you know that Baltimore's defense has, called the th- has caused the third most turnovers this season? And obviously they're playing against QB Carson Wentz, who's been a turnover machine. This one's easy. Baltimore wins in the landslide. Third down. On the third down situation. Third down situations, the Bears. Mm. <laughs> Nick Foles at quarterback. One and one this season since taking over for the quarterback, uh, Mitch Trubisky. But when you look at Teddy Bridgewater, where he has the Carolina Panthers at three and two, you certainly got to believe that two-shoe Teddy can get it done. And I think that a guy like this without Christian McCaffrey has shown his worth to this football team. First time starter since the Minnesota days as the starting quarterback to lead his team. They're up 54 to 45% on the FBI chance to win the game, and I agree with them 100%. I go with Chicago in this game. This is a game where Chicago needs to prove to themselves that they are the team that is reflective of their record. Look, they're finding ways to win close games. Uh, they came off last week beating Tom Brady. Uh, it was coming off five TDs the game the week before. I actually give Chicago, I give them the, the best chance to win this game. Fourth down. Packers and Buccaneers. The game of the week. The game of the week for Zubin. <laughs> Believe it or not, Z, they've only played each other three times. After and they're all split these years. After all these years, one and one. They split. Now, I give the edge to Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to be missing some weapons on the offensive side. They struggled last time out. You look at this football team and what Aaron Rodgers is capable of doing to that defense that we thought was better than what I believe they really are. That's Tampa Bay's defense. Aaron Rodgers may be without a weapon or two, but he still gets it done no matter who's catching balls from him. Tom Brady not having O.J. Howard. Gronk is still banged up. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans playing through injuries. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers here. I just think Aaron Rodgers is playing at an elite level. And just the way he's slinging it, man, that's going to be that's going to be one hell of a game to watch. Bonus death. Rams at 49ers. This is easy for me. I, I, I look at the Rams right now sitting at 4-1 and one against the 49ers at 2-3. and three. This football team is on a mission. The 49ers are banged up, guys in and out of the lineup. We don't know the status of Jimmy G, if he's going to play the entire four quarters or just a quarter and a half or into the second half. You have no idea. He certainly hasn't, even though he's gone to the Super Bowl, certainly hasn't lived up to the billing of a guy that they pay that type of money to to be a quarterback of a storied franchise. Jared Goff and the Rams, they get it done, much like FPI. Chance to win says at a 53% clip. I would raise it a little higher than that. I'll go with the Rams. Key, uh, uh, will they take him out just to protect him again? Just, <laughs> just to protect him from the high ankle sprain? I think, I think there was, was a little bit of truth to that. Okay. I mean, he was getting beat to death by the Miami Dolphins, and I think when you look at that, he was struggling. Plus, he was getting a snot kicked out of him. Mm. So you like, you know what, man, come on over here with us and, and let's figure it out. As the fellow said, the 49ers need Jimmy G to get in the zone. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. That game will actually be on Sunday night football. And here's a little quirk with that particular game. Here we are. We're more than a quarter way through the season. The Rams have played five games. 
They have not played a single team in the division. This is their first division team. Wow. They've actually played four teams yeah. from the NFC yeah. East already and beaten them all. <laughs> well, that was, well, and well, lost to the Buffalo Bills. That that's not fifth. saying a lot, right? <laughs> no, it isn't. But it's interesting to, to go this far into the season and not take on a division foe. It'll be backloaded. But with the 49ers, they're walking MASH unit right now in terms of their injuries. We'll see what happens Sunday MASH? Night. What you know about MASH? <laughs> I'm not old enough. I got YouTube. I got YouTube. I've seen it before. Never watch MASH. Shout out to Alan Alda. Okay, we're going out of the demo here. Let's go from the NFL to college football. We're going to be joined by Barrett Jones, a national champion at Alabama, played for Nick Saban. He's our lead college football analyst on ESPN Radio. We have games every week on ESPN Radio. I know most of you, like us three, are parked in front of the television watching ESPN all day and all night. But Barrett's going to join us here in six minutes to talk about, obviously, Alabama and Georgia. We'll have SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey join us a little bit later this morning as well. That'll be really interesting because he's going to have the final say-so on anything that happens with any game in his league, and Greg will be here at 9 Eastern. Big question. If there is a game, can Nick Saban take part? We'll give you the particulars on what he needs to do to cross any threshold, but here's Coach not giving a health update on one of his players. Here's Coach giving a health update on Coach. I feel fine. I felt fine. I was very surprised, you know, by this. Still doing everything possible to get ready for the Georgia game. I'll have normal meetings tomorrow. Everything will be on Zoom. You know, Sark's kind of filling in in my absence uh, for anything that needs coordinated in the office. But we're going to do everything we can to help our team, you know, get ready to play. And I'm not sure exactly how this is going to play out when the game comes, you know, whether I can have communication with people or not. We'll have to research and sort of figure that one out. First things first, Stark is Steve Sarkeesian. He will be the head coach if Saban can't be there, and it certainly believes to this point he's not going to be able to. He says he wants to be part of the game. Protocol dictates he can't communicate with anybody on the staff while he's in quarantine. He can't travel to the stadium when he's in quarantine either, so that whole argument he could just sit socially distanced away from everybody in the press box is out the window. However, if Saban has three negative tests, including the second two, in a 24-hour span, he could conceivably be clear to return to athletic activities. But that's asking a lot. Three negative tests. A reminder, the game is Saturday night under the light. So that would be a lot of tests in a short amount of time, King. It, is, it, is there a window, though? Like, is there, like, it doesn't – can he do it all on Saturday? Does he have to do it on Friday? Like, well, it's got to be in a 24-hour span. So I would okay. presume that that would be stretched out over most of the course of 24 hours – as opposed to taking them minutes by minutes by minutes. You want to see if the virus germinates, right? You want yeah. to give it a little bit of time. Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, because this game is so so big and huge. huge and important to not only college football, but the SEC as well as Alabama and Georgia. And it, it won't be the same without him on the sidelines. It just, it you know, it, Steve Sarkeesian is a good football coach, but he's not Nick Saban. Who is? And so – you know, Steve Sarkeesian going up against Kirby Smart, in-game adjustments, all of the different things that you would expect Nick Saban to do may not get done because he's not there on the sidelines. Unless he puts a memo together and say, hey, if this happens, this happens. And I wouldn't be surprised if Coach did that. You know, Seems because like I, I still feel like to this day he had a plan just in case set aside. If some reason this happens – this is who's taking over. This is the situation. This is what I want done. I, I just, because he's such a detailed person that no stone gets overturned without him. It just feels like Nick Saban is the Bill Belichick of college football, right? Like it, it, when 
if he's not on the sideline, you're, you're like, well, that's a major, major part of your team. Major part of your team. So for me personally, Nick Saban not being on the sideline, I'm still going to look at this Alabama team like they're undefeated. Right? Like regardless of whether they win or lose this game. I, 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 it's really going to be interesting. If you're, a com- if you're the committee and Georgia gets the win, you know, are, are you going to sit there and say, well, Alabama's uh, – there won't be a different team with Nick Saban on the sideline? Well, they never punished Alabama for one loss anyway, though. No, understood. So whether Nick loses the game or not, they're not going to punish Alabama. But if they happen to drop another one down yeah, the line, depending now, upon who they drop to, if they drop to Auburn, maybe. If you lose two, given the fact that but no, here's my thing: you're looking at two, but one was out was yeah, without but it's their still, head. But it's still two, though, man. But it can't. It's, it's not I, not due to COVID. It's still not due two, to COVID. Though. And it's this is where it gets hard. tricky, though. Zubin with the eye test. It's, it's, it's all subjective. It's still hard with two. Two is hard. Wouldn't you agree, Z? Also, one interesting point to bring about is what if they were to lose two games, depending on the situation, but what if both of them are without Nick Saban? You can go to the Saban well one time, but if this is elongated in any way with his age, you got to start thinking well, two about any, it. Two, regardless, if he comes back right. and they lose eventually down the line, and they, if for some reason they lose to Georgia if he's not coaching the sideline. No, no team has ever been in the college football playoff with two losses. Correct. Nobody. So, like... I understand it's the eye test. I think it's a different year. All of those sort of things are, are are true, but it's two losses. You can't put a two-loss team into the Final Four. You just can't do it. Also think about there will be a Saban factor on the field because Georgia's head coach Kirby Smart, he learned everything about recruiting machines, about schemes, Georgia's defense. Uh, Georgia's head coach was Alabama's defensive coordinator. Saban's a defensive guy. So even though Saban won't mm. be on the field likely on Saturday or maybe even in the stadium, there will be a strong Saban influence. But it's ironic; it'll be on the Georgia sideline, not Alabama's. It, 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 yeah, but it's not going to. I, I think when you look at the Georgia situation, first of all, they need to figure out their quarterback. Right. That's, they have, Three right now, including your USC transfer, JT Daniels, young kid Dewan Mathis, and Stetson Bennett the fourth, who's taken Stetson. the majority of the st- the most SEC name of all time. He needs to remain Georgia's quarterback. He just doesn't even look like a Georgia QB though. But <laughs> he's small. Uh, yeah, he's smaller. I, I think when you when you look at it though, this football game, if he's not if if for some reason Nick Saban can't coach it, Steve Sarkeesian has a lot to prove. And if Steve Sarkeesian can beat Georgia, watch out then he's going to be on top of the head coaching just, list just again. Watch out. Well, he had an opportunity this year. He interviewed for Mississippi State, turned that down, and he interviewed for Colorado and pulled his name out of that one at the last minute. Indeed. He is 46-35 and 35 at Washington and USC. He's also spent two stints as Alabama's offensive coordinator, so he's the guy you probably want to have instead of Saban with the experience level. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. By the way, another great opportunity for a Saban assistant to knock him off. They are 0-21 lifetime. Jeremy Pruitt will get an opportunity next week. Much more on this game between Alabama and Georgia with a Crimson Tide legend. But first, SportsCenter. Here's the 1-1. Fastball and a fly ball to center field. It is deep. Kiermaier's back, and Correa has walked it off for the Astros. They live to see another day. Carlos Correa sends an Anderson fastball to straightaway center field and walks it off. 
Houston wins game five, and there will be a game six tomorrow night in the ALCS. So Dan Schulman made that call yesterday. So since we've crossed over on the calendar, that game will be today at 530 Eastern. Coverage begins pregame on ESPN Radio as the Strohs win on a Carlos walk-off shot that many people believe he called. Ruthian, I might add. What a moment. What a moment for the Astros. Many people rooting against them. They're the villain. you got to give these dudes some credit. They have taken all the hits taken their way. And yesterday, the biggest hit of all by Correa to essentially save their season. The Braves are about to end the Dodgers season, perhaps. They defeat the Dodgers 10-2 in Game 4 of the National League Championship Series. Marcelo Zuna had two home runs, four RBI. They're up 3-1. Atlanta has not made the Fall Classic since 1999. Clayton Kershaw, sixth inning was a little bit rough. Scratched in Game 2, pitched very well in Game Number 4 until Atlanta broke through in the sixth, and they are now on the verge of breaking through to the World Series. And Le'Veon Bell has signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. The rich get richer. The Jets released Bell, as you know, on Tuesday. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. And now football's best offense, as Jays appropriately called him, adds another piece taken off of football's worst offense, which I think is a good call by Jay as well. And Sports Center is brought to you by Nature Valley. Feel the joy of a sunny day. Find the freedom of an open field and taste the crunch from 100% whole grain oats. Stay outside longer with Nature Valley Oats and Honey Crunchy Granola Bars. We are better outside. Barrett Jones is ESPN Radio's lead college football analyst. He joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oil is made from natural gas. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof's in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Not only is he our lead college football analyst, he was the lead dog for one of the great Alabama offensive lines of all time. He's a three-time BCS national champion. A couple times he's hoisted that SEC championship trophy. And he joins us. He'll be on the call for Clemson at Georgia Tech Saturday on ESPN Radio coverage beginning at 1130. And obviously he'll have his eyes on Alabama and Georgia, the former his alma mater college game day live from T-Town Saturday 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. You know Nick Saban well. Good morning, Barrett. Welcome to the program. Just give me the exact specifics on what it would be like for the team if he wasn't there. Well, good morning, guys. How are we doing? Thanks for having me on. I uh, really enjoyed the new show so far. Y'all are doing a great job. Thank you. Um, look, I, I, I've gotten this question a lot this week, and I think it's really interesting. And obviously everyone knows Nick Saban is a defensive coach, and so uh, he's obviously a lot more involved in the defensive side of the football. I think that's probably uh, the place where you're the most concerned if you're an Alabama fan is not having his wisdom there defensively on how to make those adjustments. Uh, you know, as far as the gameplay things goes, uh, certainly that's a big deal and that's a feel thing. Uh, but Sark, you know, has a lot of experience uh, doing those kind of things. So I don't think that'll be a big thing. Uh, but defensively, if, I don't know if anyone watched the uh, Alabama Ole Miss game last week, uh, but Alabama doesn't need any more excuses to play bad defense. You know, they played some of the worst defense I've ever seen. Uh, and and I, I was calling that game last week, and it was honestly an abomination to defensive football. Uh, and I never thought I'd say that about an Alabama football team. Uh, and so I, I think that's probably your biggest concern if you're an Alabama fan is not having that wisdom on the headset of how to make those in-game adjustments. Barrett, how does this, uh, Steve Sarkeesian handle the potential, you know, being the interim head coach in the biggest game of the season, a short season, but also the biggest game of his head coaching career? Yeah, that's another good question is, uh, you know, there have been a lot of 
of head coaches who are play callers who have struggled balancing that over the years. Uh, you know, you've even seen guys like Sean McVay, uh, who obviously he's, he's a brilliant guy. And he's given up some of the play calling duties to focus on, you know, being more of a, of a head coach and making those big picture decisions. And so uh, it is a lot to put on a guy, especially uh, it's not like you're thrusting him into a, a game against a, a small school here. You're going straight into Georgia and you're asking a guy to call plays and be a head coach. I, I think it's a big responsibility. Uh, I think Sark's ready for it, though. He's a very sharp guy. Uh, he's kind of been, you know, waiting in the wings. Uh, Alabama spent a lot of money in the offseason to keep him. Uh, and so for, for reasons just like this, obviously, to have a guy like that on staff who uh, I don't think you, you anticipate your coach getting coronavirus, but having a, an offensive coordinator who can take a lot of responsibility. You know, he pretty much runs the offensive side of the building. That's the way Coach Saban really does most things. Is Like I said, spends most time on defense unless the offensive coordinator kind of run things on that side. So he, he's used to having a lot on his shoulders. But definitely this is a, an added layer, and it's a big added layer. So it'll be something to keep an eye on is situational football. Uh, how can Sark balance calling the plays while also uh, making sure that he's aware of the big picture? Mac Jones, uh, potential Heisman Trophy uh, finalist, going up against a Kirby Smart-led defense, which you know is going to be tough to get any points on. What should we expect from him in his play? Well, Key, I'm glad you said that. You know, Mac Jones, uh, I, I, I try – one of my goals when I'm announcing now and, and when I'm talking on radio shows is, you know, you try not to sound like a homer. Uh, people already hate Alabama enough, and so they don't need much excuse to hate you. Uh, but but Mac Jones is playing really, really well, and I think a lot of people have been surprised. They, they expect when they turn on the, the television to see a big drop-off from Tua Tagovailoa, and it just hasn't been a drop-off at all. In fact – uh, Numbers-wise, he's been probably a little more efficient so far early in the season. Uh, he's been incredible. He's played very well. Uh, and, and honestly, you look around college football, nobody's playing defense except for maybe two schools and, that I've seen so far, and that's Clemson and Georgia, uh, with Georgia probably being the best defense that I've seen, at least on tape. So it's, it's going to be a big test because uh, like of all the tape I've watched, I said Georgia's the best defense. Alabama's probably the best offense. I mean, they are absolutely loaded at every position. They have a stacked offensive line. They got talent everywhere on the perimeter. They have a, a great back in Najee Harris, and they got a guy who's playing with a ton of confidence uh, at quarterback. And so it's going to be best on best, I think, in the entire country uh, on, on Saturday, and that's always fun to watch. Barrett, let's go to Clemson, Georgia Tech. How does Trevor Lawrence compare to other QBs we've seen over the past couple of years? Well, Trevor Lawrence, uh, or, or in this year, it's, it's kind of been hard to tell just because of some of the competition they've played. But, but I think he's taken his game even to another level. Uh, we're just if you, if you really dig into the tape and you watch some of the things he's doing uh, at the line of scrimmage now, he's really entered that elite category. Uh, you know, it, it feels like Trevor Lawrence, just as, as transformational of a player as he, as he has been, uh, you know, I feel like they want to give him the Heisman this year just because he's, he has been so good for so long. He just kind of needs that signature moment because he has been awesome. Uh, you know, his only disadvantage always uh, playing in the ACC will just be uh, can anyone, you know, give him a tough test where he can have those kind of moments because he's been incredible. And, and like I said, you watch the tape and somehow it looks like he's even gotten better this offseason. He's gotten stronger. It looks like he's added a little bit of muscle. Uh, and so I think he, I think he compares uh, – look, he's, he's as good as anyone I've ever, I've ever seen in college football. And uh, I think he's pretty much been the presumptive number one pick for the last three years. And, and that's probably if you would have added any of the other guys, if you had been in any of the last three drafts, I think they would have taken him number one. And so I think that really speaks, speaks for itself uh, when, when you talk about the talent this guy has. 
That says just, a lot. Just when I was yeah. about to ask him about the Pac-12, we got a wrap. No, just kidding. <laughs> hey, if Barrett thinks the ACC is down, we don't need to talk about the Pac-12. I'm just kidding. Tongue planted firmly in chick. You're going to have your eyes on Trevor Lawrence. It'll be a short conversation, Keith. There's not much to talk about the Pac-12. So. Hey, 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 watch out now. <laughs> if you got 30 seconds, hey, I can talk about the Pac-12. Oregon's pretty good. Okay, that's about it. <laughs> nice and succinct. Just the way you got to do it on the radio. Quickly between plays. You'll have your eyes on Trevor Lawrence this weekend for Clemson and the Ramblin' Wreck. We appreciate you joining us this morning, Barry. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, the biggest boxing event of the fall airs live on ESPN this Saturday, tomorrow, October 17th. The WBC franchise, WBA, WBA world champion, Vasily Lomachenko, and the IBF kingpin, Tiafimo Lopez. He's working on his jab. Clash in a light, uni- lightweight unification showdown live from the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Live coverage, 730 Eastern, undercard action on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. And the greatest trainer, some think of all time, Teddy Atlas, the living legend, will be here at 9, 10 a.m. Eastern to break it down, what you need to know about this big-time fight. What you need to know is Jay Will thinks the most pressurized job in the NBA next season has been filled. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's be honest. The Clippers have been building that program for 50 years. They need somebody to get them over Well, you the said top. they've been building it for 50 years. It was a bad guy that was in that seat before. Speaking of the owner, Donald Sterling, who has now been extricated, it was one of Adam Silver's first things to banish him from the league. The team seemed to be moving in the right direction, sold <laughs> to Steve Ballmer, who yes. obviously wants to win as much as anybody and has the financial muscle to do it as great as anyone. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance, all of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Jay, you said earlier this morning, and this is something I really want to go back to because I think it's, it's a really strong statement. There's a lot of pressure to win across the NBA, mm-hmm. but the most pressurized job in the NBA is the one you say Ty Lu said, give it to me yesterday. Well, it's a one-and-done situation. So you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George that are about to be free agents after this season coming up, the 2000, after the 2021 season. Right. So you have to win in order to keep those guys there. Uh, you wonder about that relationship. And I will also say this, there are other moves they have to make. Montrezl Harrell is going to be a free agent. Um, what do you do with him? The rest of the crew, they have a bunch of passive, aggressive personalities on this team. You need somebody like Kawhi Leonard is incredible. I'm not saying he's passive aggressive, but you know he's incredible, but he's not a full-blown like vocal leader. Right? Kyle Lowry was that leader with the Raptors. 
Uh, Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker was that leader mm. with the Spurs. Kawhi needs somebody to help him get there. Paul George, quiet, a little bit passive at times. Montrose would talk to other teams, but not leading their team internally. Same with Patrick Beverly. Uh, so that's something the head coach needs to do. But also, I, I, I'm telling you, I, it feels like the Clippers are going to try to make a strong move to bring Chris Paul mm. back to the Clipper organization. Wow. And no Donald Sterling there now. No Doc Rivers there now. The slate is swept clean. And CP3 is that missing link from an alpha dog perspective that can help lead this team. There's a lot of money left on the books to bring Chris Paul there, but it could happen because the owner, Steve Ballmer, certainly would go into the luxury tax situation. Reach into the glove compartment. Hey, glove compartment? <laughs> yeah, he His called, pockets? <laughs> he says, Frank, wire the money over. And it's over. And it's not anything to think about. But if they go after Chris Paul, they're going to be pushed into a luxury tax situation, which right. I'm sure that they're not worried about that because the one thing he wants to do, he wants to win a championship. And hiring Ty Lu is a great thing. And I think it's great for Ty Lue. It's great for the organization, despite who is there beyond this year. Um, if for whatever reason they do win a championship next season with him as the head coach, that speaks volumes to who he is in his career. Because when you're around, he won the championship with LeBron James. Mm-hmm. What is LeBron James? You know, it's like, that's the first thing people are going to say, right? Stigma. Stigma. They're never going to really give you your full due, your full credit. Paul George in... Kawhi Leonard doesn't can't come with that same sort of cachet of it's Paul George, it's Kawhi Leonard. That's the only reason why you won. It's your footprint. It's your hands on it. And I think for him, he's a hell of a coach. He gets the opportunity now to take over something that was failed under Doc Rivers, which is getting past the second round, getting to a championship, bringing L.A. another championship, but bringing it to the Clippers this time with a new arena going into Inglewood, California, all of those sort of things will certainly uh, uh, shed a different light on his basketball coaching career. But Zubin, we called this. I mean, we called this as soon as Doc Rivers got fired. Yeah, we were on the show. It was like, yeah, this is Ty Lue's job. Easy. If he doesn't want it, if he wants to go to Houston, this is it. So if it was Ty Lue's job, why even explore? Because they're always going to go through the process, and they're going to try to, you know, optics, try to make it seem like they're doing it. He had the most insight on this team. He got a chance, firsthand experience, to see how Doc Rivers did it, and it did not work. And the one thing I can always say about Ty Lue Look, he's willing to adjust, and he did. People can say, well, he, you know, he coached LeBron James, he got a chip. He did manage Kyrie Irving and LeBron James together. No small task. Right? That's, that's a pretty <laughs> – you have to give him credit where credit is due here. So uh, I also think having Lawrence Frank, who was voted the executive of the year in the NBA, who put together the roster in the first place – um, he's been known to make some magic happen as far as orchestrating teams. Can you think about this? It's not the first time it would happen. I mean, obviously, it turned out to pretty, be a pretty good thing for the Raptors once they fired Dwayne Casey, well-respected, much like Doc Rivers is well-respected. And then they brought in the lead assistant, Nick Nurse, and they won a championship. They, they, do, that, they do that a lot in the NBA. Lead assistant takes over, not necessarily winning a championship. But, you know, it was, it was, I guess it was more shocking because – he hadn't been a head coach that had won a championship. Right. This with Ty Lewis, a head coach that have actually won a championship, despite whether you want to give him full credit, much like Jay Will just said, he did manage two personalities. Now you got a couple couple personalities that may not be as strong as LeBron's and Kyrie's and Paul George, as well as Kawhi Leonard, although Paul George did get into a little, you know, back and forth with teammates toward the end there sure. in the bubble. Um I'm I'm excited for Ty though. I think I think it's an opportunity of a lifetime to to coach a team in LA with a lot of talent on it, and it's a win-win situation for him. 
uh, if they win the championship next year, he's the hero. And if they don't win the championship next year, they have a guy there that can start to build a foundation that will last for a long time. Two things. Number one, who has better insight into how to stop LeBron James than a guy like Ty Lue who's able to win a championship and actually has – you know, Eric Spolster, who had great insight as well, only had one piece defensively to try to stop LeBron James. And that was Jimmy Butler, a guy he also needed to drop 40 and have a 40-point triple-double to win games, right? He, he didn't have enough in the, in, the, in the weaponry armor to do that, whereas I think Ty Lue does. And secondly, something that's really big for Ty Lue, he brought Chauncey Billups on his staff. A big shot, so Chauncey did, so Billups. So they hired Chauncey yes, officially? Yes. I know it was he, conversations. He's on the staff, know. and I, I think that will be very big – because Chauncey knows how to talk to players, and you always have to have a good cop, bad cop scenario when you're a guy like Ty Lue because he has to be hard on players, but then Chauncey can soften the load. Keyshawn J. Will Zoom in brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed delivers quality candidates, so you can focus on hiring the person who's a good fit. Claim your $75 credit for your first post at Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. Still to come, why Le'Veon Bell could be the missing ingredient for the Chiefs, especially when we hit the playoffs. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.